Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Tennis Week you, Joel, Kim and Chris on today's Tour Catch-Up. Rebecca secures second 500 of the season. Pliskova wins her first title in four years. And Tennis Weekly goes behind the scenes at UTS Oslo. Kim, Chris, today is the 12th of February and we are here to catch up on the week in tennis at Tennis Weekly HQ. We are back after our break, after the Australian Open. We are relaxed, we have rejuvenated ourselves and we have lots and lots of tennis to discuss. It's a great time in the season, I think, because there's so much tennis going on genuinely around the world. The Golden Swing is happening, there's tennis in Europe and Chris, you have just come back from Oslo. I have. It was minus 21 degrees when we landed. I think Casper said in Australia it was minus 14 and it was much colder than he said. So I did not pack appropriate (laughs) winter clothing. Well done for surviving that. I cannot imagine being in those temperatures. That is just very, 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 very chilly. We're not built for it. We really aren't. I had um, almost like a a cagoule or a mac and then a few, (laughs) lots of layers could you see your breath in the in the in like the indoor arena? I mean, is it was, that it was a big was? arena. You definitely could. Um, I think. I mean, if I was a player, the only person wearing shorts in the press conference was obviously Holger Rune, and they were very short. What's the hot beverage of choice in Oslo when it's so cold? Hot chocolate. Don't say it's Vegemite. N- not Vegemite. It's not the promise <laughs> you I didn't have any Vegemite. Not that again. I think it's hot chocolate. I think they have a sweet tooth oh, over yes. there, so I think it's the hot chocolate side of things. Maybe I should book a trip to Oslo then because I'm a in big the summer, maybe. fan. It's probably still Ooh. quite cold. <laughs> I'll, 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 be take, I'll be packing the Bovril. <laughs> your Bovril for your trip to Oslo. <laughs> well, we know you're not a fan of Vegemite, but it's been about two weeks since we last all got together to talk tennis. So it's I've been just really got nice. the taste of Vegemite out of my mouth, I think, in those two weeks. <laughs> Finished rinsing your mouth, Joel. Um, but yeah, what have you guys been up to? Obviously, Chris, you've been to Oslo and come back and we'll hear a lot more about that later on in the show uh but joel what's been captivating you over the last week or so uh on and off the tour well the tennis has still been going on but actually last night i did uh i did turn away from the tennis and watched a bit of the super bowl which um yeah was in the uk was on overnight and uh, i enjoyed this tweet that went viral from andy murray where he's where he congratulated taylor swift on winning super bowl 58 a stunning performance and uh, I thought it was just quite funny um, you know I think was it the Kansas City Chiefs I think they won but we all know because Taylor Swift was there because I think her, is it her boyfriend plays for the Kansas City Chiefs something like that and uh, Andy Murray he needed no invitation to make a, a funny tweet out of it. I had to Google because I assumed that that tweet meant she'd done like the halftime show. And I was like, oh, I'll go on and have a, you know, I'll have a watch of that. But it's just the fact that she was in the audience. She just attended, uh, didn't she, Kim? So maybe it should be congrats to 
Chris on winning the UTS Oslo with a stunning performance oh. just from watching. I, I would have said congrats to Usher because I watched, uh, I, I mean, I did watch the highlights of it, but I was actually more interested in the halftime show. I don't know if any any of our listeners agree with me, but uh, I thought Usher put on a You love a bit of nostalgia, don't you, Joel? He's got so many bangers in his catalogue. Is he still going or was it all like old school tunes? I think he has a bass. Which yeah. I know you love. <laughs> it was a lot of old school tunes. He brought out Alicia Keys and he did Yeah with Ludacris and Lil John. Oh, this so, is a... Uh, an NFL podcast. I was going to say this isn't an NFL <laughs> podcast, so I'm going to move on swiftly. Oh, Taylor Ooh, swiftly. swiftly! I didn't mean to Swifty. say that; it just came swiftly out. Didn't. <laughs> um, I loved on Instagram this week um, talking about social media. We know Andy Murray is great at it, but I thought that ATP they released uh, the ATP Tour reality show, which featured Andy Murray, of course. Uh, Novak Djokovic was there. Andre Rublev, a Dominic team, a whole host of players. And if anyone hasn't seen it, I would thoroughly recommend you give it a watch because I thought it was actually quite funny, quite a laugh. And I, I guess it's kind of taking a bit of, um, you know, taking the piss out a bit out of, you know, the Netflix break point. Um, but yeah, what did, did you guys have a look at that? What did you guys think? I did. I thought it was hilarious. I think Andy Murray is just one of the best people for this sort of like gig. He's he's so deadpan. He's great. Like he mm. will literally give you that every time, and it's perfect in that sort of format. But I did love Djokovic practicing whilst looking in the mirror, ripping his shirt open. I thought, you know, yeah. that was like <laughs> so close to home, but so funny. And I think it's great they all didn't take themselves too seriously I actually asked Rublev if he would believe you know because they talked a lot about script writers in the reality show that it's all scripted reality um I asked him would he believe the script for UTS Oslo uh, and he said no but we can hear more from that later in the second half but linking with that and the fact that we wouldn't believe the fact that what went down in Oslo um Gail Monfils was disqualified from a tournament without a code of conduct it's an exhibition I couldn't believe that. So that's my reverent thing for this week. I don't think I've ever heard that before. A, t- a player getting chucked out of an exhibition, that just doesn't sound like something that has ever happened before. Never at the Boodles. Definitely not. You know, you couldn't get <laughs> no. kicked out from there. You'd be given a nice seat mm. and a glass of champagne. But And a, a chalet. Uh, sorry, a valet a chalet. Uh, would come pick you up. I had a, a chalet, chalet in Oslo at <laughs> uh, Airbnb. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> It seems like the other end of the scale from a tournament, like an actual tournament with rules where a player doesn't get disqualified when they arguably should. You know, there's probably been instances where Nick Kyrgios should have been disqualified and hasn't been. And then, you know, you get this instance happening. But yeah, we'll get on to all the details later in the second part of today uh, because you will be bringing us all the gossip from Oslo. Um, Thank God you were there, Chris, braving the the cold to bring us all the action. All for Tennis Weekly. Exactly. Well, moving to warmer climbs, we did have the uh, WTA 500 event in Abu Dhabi, uh, which Elena Rabakina did win. It's her second title of the season. She beat Daria Kazakina 6-1-6-4 in straight sets, uh, bringing her total career titles up to seven. Um, This was quite a straightforward week well, more or less for her. She sort of came through, had a couple of three setters, but very standard in the final over Kazakina. Um, Rebecca coming in saying she didn't play with much expectation this week because of, you know, that, that kind of blink of a loss in uh, Melbourne at the Australian Open, which, you know, amazing match, but quite a shocking result. Um, Chris, I don't know if you saw too much of this being in Oslo, but what do you think about Rebecca clinching this title? What, what did you make of her week out in Abu Dhabi? 
I think it's a good week for her again. She's picked up two 500s, as we kind of have already said. I think it's a shame she hasn't been doing this at some of the bigger tournaments last year. It feels like she's one of those players who's now in this sort of top three that we're talking about. Um, I think actually she's number four, maybe in the rankings now, who's putting together some great results at tournaments. But again, we want to see that in the later stages of, of slams. I think we missed seeing that at the AO. So it's great that she's able to kind of get her form back and play really well here. But at the same time, I do think I'd like to see her push deeper in the slams this year. Because um, since that Wimbledon title, she's got close in Australia, but that was now a year ago. So um, I was pretty impressed with her. She served pretty well. Um, she beat Sam Sonova, who has got the better of her previously. So that that's a great result for her. But I have to say, and there's something I've got to ask you, Joel. Has Danielle Collins had some of the most unlucky draws uh, of of anyone's season, especially being her final season where she's just playing Grand Slam winner after Grand Slam winner? If there is one player, I think, uh, who's had unluckier draws maybe so far this season, it has been, was her opponent in round one, which I think Naomi Osaka. But uh, certainly, yeah, she's just had very tough, tough opponents, you know, so far since that announcement. But the performance she's 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 put out there has made me think like oh did she, did she say that did she say that too soon because you know she had a very good win against Osaka seven seven five six love and I think I think against Rabakina she was a set and a break up um, before losing in three so she's definitely kind of still you know committed and all in on her on her tennis up until you know the very end so uh, I've been re- yeah I've been impressed with you love a bit of Danielle Collins. Yeah, I think I still think there's like some more you know, feeling and, and burning desire in there, and I do wonder whether she announced retirement too early. I mean, maybe you know, on the flip side, she could look at it like, well, now I've announced it, that monkey is off my back, and I'm just going to give it my all. And as a result, we're seeing some of the the performances that take me back to you know when she went on that incredible run at the Australian Open. Yeah, well, I mean, I would have loved to seen Osaka play Rebecca, and I'm sure we'll get that, um, but that could have been fun as well. No, Kim, we must have Osaka versus Garcia four, five, six times, first of all. Well, yes, because arguably, you know, Osaka losing to Collins first round of Abu Dhabi, should she, you know, go down, drop a tier, go down mm. to some, you know, lower, lower ranked tournaments, but... Osaka actually today, uh, they're out in Doha now, they've moved on to the next stop on the tour face with Caroline Garcia first round Osaka has actually come through that one so although she's had some bad tough draws coming back perhaps she's just does need to stick at it and the results will eventually come what do you think oh, that's, that's tough so you wouldn't think so you wouldn't carry you wouldn't on? put her down into kind of 250 and maybe even 125 uh maybe that's a bit too far but hmm. you wouldn't like to see her play 250 and get more match practice I'll see how she does this week because it might just all come together all of a sudden and she goes deep and then that's it just you know I think it's only been a month hasn't it that she's been back so I think give her a bit more time but if it's you know going on a long long time and she's really struggling absolutely drop it down you know I'm I'm sure that um, she she would that sort of seems like a sensible decision should it come to that Um, and I mean also players returning you know we had Emma Raducanu last month we we're talking obviously about her return to the tour she was in this tournament as well and she had a good win over Buskova in the first round uh, which was promising and came up against Onjabor the second seed uh, in the next round but yeah did fall in straight sets Joel what did you make of Emma Raducanu in in this tournament I mean it's just been a whirlwind I think last seven days or so because it was a very impressive performance I think against Buskova 
I was kind of wondering, was Ange Jabot there for the taking? Because, you know, she's not really had a great start to the season. But um, yeah, Radicani wasn't able, I think, to showcase her best tennis. And unfortunately today, you know, she lost um, in, in the first round in Doha, got bageled, you know, in, in the first set against her opponent. And uh, I, wonder, I wondered similar questions that I was thinking about with Osaka kind of, you know, last week was whether it would make more sense for her to play kind of 250s and, and 125s as opposed to getting wild cards um, in, and into these events because, you know, she's coming up against some very tough opposition after a long time away and maybe the match practice is is a lot better to serve her and the time on court as opposed to kind of getting getting the ranking points or, you know, having those higher amounts of, of ranking points available in these higher level tournaments. I think you can definitely spend too much time on the practice court and I think... One of the things you've got to do is got to play a lot of matches. And I think playing a lot of matches obviously helped her get that US Open title by playing 10 matches in that US Open um, to win it. So I think for Emma, I think it's no bad thing playing some of the smaller tournaments. And I think after this week, I think she's talked about that already. The fact she's going to change up her schedule. She's not going to play in Dubai. um, But then she is heading back to the practice court. So I'd like to see her play some of the smaller tournaments and get some more um, more ranking points and do some more problem solving on the court against a variety of different players because I think otherwise you've, you're so reliant on the draw. And I think that's the same thing you kind of just said with the Osaka comments is if you keep getting a bad draw, you might be playing great tennis, but you might be drawing the world number four or a top 10 player every week. Um, and that's not easy to get your ranking back up again. Well, some of players as well this week, you know, Struggling with the back-to-back Abu Dhabi to Doha. You know, Kazakina in the final, she's already lost today in, in Doha. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of maintaining your, your form as well across these uh, these back-to-back weeks. But we'll see what uh, Rabakina can do. But, yeah, well done, Rabakina, uh, picking up second title of the season. Just kind of goes to show that that, that AO match with Blinkova, you know, oh, you think, know. how did she... If she'd have got through that, would we Just have one seen point. the rest of the tournament... Yeah, would it have gone very differently at the rest of the Australian Open? I, I don't know. Uh, well, she had so many chances to win, didn't she? Uh, but let's have a look at the other tournaments. We've had quite a few this week. We had the Transylvania Open in uh, Romania. Now, this is usually in uh, sort of October time, but it's been moved to this time of the year. Am I right in thinking? Yes. Because this is when Christian normally brings out her cape, which I know you love, Joel. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been moved. And uh, Karolina Pliskova has won this event, uh, which actually ends a four-year wait for her latest singles title on tour. It's been a while since she's actually picked up a trophy. Back in Brisbane 2020 was the last one. So gosh, pre-pandemic, a lot has changed since then. Uh, but she came through against uh, Romanian player Anna Bogdan, 6-4, 6-3 in the final um, Chris, what do you make of Pliskova getting back to winning ways uh, out at the uh, Transylvania Open? I think, you know, this is the theme of, of the week. We're saying drop down and get some good results going and then bring it to one of the bigger tournaments. And clearly there's been a long period of time where she hasn't been able to find her form, where she's been a player who's kind of sometimes put it together in terms of getting kind of decent results at tournaments, but not necessarily going all the way and winning them like she used to when she was world number one. So I think it's very impressive that she's done this. I think it makes a lot of sense for her to drop down. And she was very, very good behind serve, which I think is is brilliant. And unlike the other finalists, she has made it through today. Um, So hopefully she can build on this because 
I think we all thought of that Naomi Osaka match at the start of the year that, I mean, where was that tennis? Where did it come from? Because we hadn't seen it on the tour, I mean, in such a while. So, I mean, it's been a quietly positive start for Pliskova. And I think this title actually does set her up that maybe um, she will have a bit of a resurgence this year. I mean, it's been going on for too long. I mean, four years from winning her last title for a player of Pliskova's quality that is that to me is is too long and um i think it was great to see in you know across the week you know she was just free hitting i think her movement has improved a lot this season and uh, we all know her like hitting capabilities from the back of the court it can just overpower her opposition and um i really think that was you know the case particularly against you know, players like you know rani in in the quarters 62 6 love and then dart as well in the semis who had a had a very good week regardless um yeah, that, that power that she possesses is almost just kind of, I think, harnessing it because she is almost known, I think, more for the unforced errors as opposed to her winners now. Well, there weren't many good players in the tournament in terms of ranking-wise. I think we should point that out. Mm. Obviously, it is a 250, and there are some some great players. It's tough to win one of these. I know Blinkova was in the draw as well. Um, but I do think that that does kind of... I mean, you said Sara Irani in the quarterfinals of a, of a 250. Again, that's not something we've seen in a while. So I think... It will be a much bigger test, as you've said, when you kind of go and play against some of the, the other top players and whether you'll get... I mean, yeah. Chris, Irani over Maria, 6-love, six 6-1. Six I think it was 53 minutes, which is the um, which is the shortest WTA match of the season so far. Uh, that was that was a scoreline I was very surprised by that left me... As much of a, an Irani fan I am, uh, I was very taken by surprise by that scoreline. I mean, I think everybody was. I really think um, we were scratching our heads. And then turns out when you look at the head-to-head, it is just a really bad head-to-head for Maria because she's been bageled before to Irani. Wow. Never won a set. And it's always been a bit of an annihilation. So Mm. I'm not sure maybe it's Maria's slices don't work against Irani. Um, She just can go straight through it. Or maybe it's that booming serve that Sarah Irani has that gets her all the free points on indoor hard courts. Yeah, I mean, Irani must be her bogey woman. But I mean, if, I know you mentioned Harriet Dart there, Joel. She doesn't normally feature in the semifinals of a WTA tournament. Ever. So fantastic for her, even though it's a 250. Like, this is great. And, and not on not in not on like a grass court or in, uh, you know, the, the British grass court season. Because I think if we were going to say Harriet Dart in a WTA semifinal, we're probably thinking, yeah, some sort of British based event on, on the grass. Mm. So it's amazing to see, I think, some of the Brits playing really well but playing really well abroad I mean the last couple of weeks I mean you spoke about Raducanu Jodie Burridge last week had um you know some some good matches on the WTA tour away from home at Dart this week Watson took out Kudometova yeah Watson you got to the doubles final as well I think with, um, in Abu Dhabi yeah Heather Watson um some really good uh British results as well so yeah fantastic from from them and and Christian actually did get to the semis as well so she does love this tournament uh for various reasons but well done Pliskova winning her first title in a long time and we'll have to see if she can yeah replicate that on the higher level events over on the men's side we had a 250 uh, down in Marseille, which was won by Hugo Humbert. So local French player picking up the win. 6-4-6-3 over Grigor Dimitrov, who continues his his generally good form of the year. Uh, Hugo Humbert, this is his fifth career title. And really great stat for him. He has never lost uh, an ATP final. He's won his first five finals, which 
you know, some players struggle and struggle and struggle to just get one. You know, they they lose multiple finals, but he's never lost in one, which I think is very impressive. Um, Joel, did you see much of Ugo Umber picking up his uh, fifth title on the weekend? I mean, you know, when it's a, a tournament in, in France, you're always sort of suspecting which kind of Frenchman is going to go deep and maybe... Well, I know you were all thinking, was it going to be Manorino? But no, he was he was somewhere else. I think he was in. Uh, I think he was playing another tournament. He was, was in Dallas. He was out in Dallas. Yeah, he yeah. was in Dallas. He was stateside. Um, but he maybe ruined that decision because he is no longer the French number one, which I know is a very popular topic um, at Tennis Weekly HQ because Umber has now taken um, taken that with a win against Dimitrov, and I think you know that final just showed the level. That Umber is playing at the moment because you know Dimitrov on this type of surface, he's a very very smooth operator, and he has been so over the, certainly over the last six months or so. So to get it done six four six three, his serve looked great. Um, I think he hit ten aces uh, across the match, and um, yeah, I think it's it's very you know very well deserved for him from him, and um, yeah, great performance. Well, fun fact, if you'd like to know this, I was actually standing with Jeremy Shardy, his coach in oslo when he won um what why wasn't he what he was at uts rather than yeah. in marseille was he coaching by sort of satellite psych- psychic coaching well, he didn't yeah. have a headset on so maybe it wasn't a phone call it must have been something psychic as you say but mm. um jeremy shard is actually the player liaison for uts so um so that more important than coaching ugo yeah, Umber, I and, can understand. and telling me I'm, i've got to <laughs> ask one less question at the next press conference so he spent <laughs> uh, a lot of time doing that but yeah so i mean to do this without your coach being by your side shows that you must be rock solid mentally and from a tactical perspective when is when his a game is on i mean we've all seen him play live and uh, in manchester i think it was alex de Minar said that his hitting is i think he said he hits like a world number one i think was the quote and a lot of people kind of scoffed at that and thought, I never really thought that of Umber. But when you do see him in full flight, I mean, he is a real force to be reckoned with um, because he does just take all the time away from you. Very much like a, a, a Garcia in that sense. Very, very aggressive, big serve. Um, at the same time, maybe mentally more there. So maybe he'll go even higher than she did. I mean, Dimitrov was a bit flat because he had had a very long semi-final as well over Hatchinov uh, the day before. But, you know, full credit to Umber. He's up to a new ranking high of 18 in the world, which does uh, make him the new French number one. Paul Manorino has been downgraded um, despite getting to the semi-finals in Dallas, which brings us on to the Dallas Open. Uh, Tommy Paul won the event, uh, three-set uh, title match over Marcus Giron, his uh, fellow American. Um, his but fellow just going bro. quickly on fellow bro, yeah. just on to Manorino though. He got to the semi-finals without barely breaking a sweat, didn't he? <laughs> yes. um, and I know Joel, you love it, love it when these sorts of things happen, these sort of scoreboard draw anomalies. But just talk us through his his week in Dallas. Well, I mean, he got a buy uh, as a fourth seed. He got a buy into the second round. Then got a walkover against Nishioka into the quarters. James Duckworth then retired against him 6-2-3-1 down. So he hadn't really played a lot until he got to uh, to Marcos Giron. But it felt it looked like it sort of counted against him because Giron came out of that um quite as a as a comfortable as a comfortable winner, six one, six three. So uh yeah, quite an odd, yeah, sort of journey to the the semis. Although I will say, Kim, I think um in uh, Abu Dhabi, the doubles, I think Matic Sands and... 
Oh, I'm not sure who her partner was, but they basically Kenin. won having only played. Yeah, Kenin and Matic Sands. They won having played their first match and the last match um, of the doubles of the doubles event. Well, you, you know, it's it's last women standing or last men standing, <laughs> isn't it? So fair play. Gotta take it. Uh, yeah. Well, Tommy Paul was the last man standing in the singles in Dallas. Uh, clinching the title it's his second ATP title and actually his first title since 2021 so it's been a while for him as well uh picking up his second title um I mean he is obviously the higher ranked opponent in that in that final over over Giron he was the the second seed here TFO losing to to Giron uh, earlier in the event um but Chris what, what do you make of Tommy Paul do you think he can kind of go on from here. I know we saw quite a bit of Tommy Paul in, in the recent series of, of Breakpoint. They were focusing on him quite a bit. But do you think this is um, onwards and upwards now for Tommy Paul? I mean, he, he does play. I mean, he played very well um, this week. And obviously the calibre opponent isn't always going to be so high to 250. But, I mean, he was edged out in Australia by Kipmanovic, who we know can play very, very well. He took out... Jack Draper, who's been having some great form. So again, I think he's building up to potentially having a very nice season, having not necessarily finished in the way that he would have liked to um, after having a strong start to 2023. So, I mean, he is capable of playing some great tennis. And I mean, if you're Carlos Alcaraz... Top 10 tennis? It depends when he's playing it. But I mean, Carlos Alcaraz doesn't enjoy playing with him, that's for sure. So I think he has his moments and this is one of his moments... But in terms of the results generally, I think he is more in the top 20, top 15 um, in the tennis he puts together on the tennis court regularly. And I mean, it was quite a a close final for the first two sets. I think really what made the difference was, you know, he was able to take his opportunities on on the Giron serve and save, you know, any of the break points, most of the break points that Giron had on him. So uh, maybe that experience just um, coming through for him in the final to win the Dallas title. Um, And then final tournament from last week, we were out in Argentina for the Cordoba Open, uh, out on the clay, the start of the golden swing, which is all very exciting. And we do tend to see some kind of rogue winners, some qualifiers creeping through sometimes. I think. Yeah. Very rogue final. Italian qualifier Luciano Darderi up against uh, home qualifier Facundo Bagnis. Uh, and it was Dardieri uh, who came through to win his first ATP title. Uh, he's only 21. And uh, yeah, he uh, he came through to, to, well, tick that box. I mean, fantastic for him um, to get his first title kind of seemingly out of the blue i swear anything can happen in in the golden swing because this is a final that was qualifier versus qualifier and that has only happened three times i believe since 1990 so a very kind of surprising kind of final we got and i think the story of it really was that bagnis you know he just crumpled i think under the the pressure maybe the expectation of a home crowd i mean he's not won a title at this at this level and in that first set, he just went down so quickly to Darderi. It was like five love down in, in a matter of moments. And um, he couldn't really recover from there. And uh, on the on the opposing hand, you know, with Darderi, another Italian to announce himself. I think he's now in the top 100. There's six Italians in the top 100. It just feels like that nation is going from strength to strength. But they've got a bottomless pit of, of, of men's talent at the moment. Yeah, and Bagnus, he's you know was by far the more experienced of the of of, mm. of the two of them. Had played in thirty Challenger Tour finals, but only one 
ATP tour level final. So just obviously that that difference between the two and maybe it got to him a bit, he, you know, just wasn't at the races, you know, went, fell, fell by the wayside quite early on, quite quickly. Um, home fans obviously <laughs> could only do so much to, to get him going, but well done Dardari. Um a new title winner and yeah, a new name to look out for, especially like you said, for, for Italian tennis is just adding to the, the many players that they do have who uh, are uh, well, potentially on the up. Um, and we'll be getting on to more of the Golden Swing later as we look ahead to um, the Buenos Aires event, uh, where Tennis Weekly does have some representation, which is very exciting. More on that later. We're going to take a very quick break now. So do join us in the second half, where we'll be discussing all the drama and controversy from UTS Oslo. Uh, we'll be thinking about who's going to follow Yannick Sinner as the next first-time Slam winner. And we're going to look forward to the first WTA 1000 event of the season out in Doha. So do not go anywhere. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to the Tennis Weekly Podcast. And now we're going to move on to a little game to start off the second half. We do have a par for the courts. Um, it is back. And I believe, Chris, you have one for me and Joel to go head to head on. So what have you got for us this week? I do indeed. And actually, Kim, we're going to go to the Golden Swing sooner than you thought, because this is Golden Ooh, Swing okay. themed. Um I've been doing some digging and some research and I thought, what could I ask the question about for Path of the Courts? And I've actually gone for one, which is players who have won multiple Golden Swing titles in their career. So this doesn't have to happen in the same year, um, just to make it a bit easier. Um, but this does include the Brazil Open, the Mexican Open, and the Ecuador Open that no longer are part of the Golden Swing. So, Oh, phew. Thank, thank goodness. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what a relief. But um, just in case there's any confusion, but there are 21 answers. So, um, and this is spanning from, I mean, quite a long period of time. I think it starts from 2001 is the, the first date. So that will give you an indication as to the sort of dates we're looking at. Um, 21 answers. It will be a back and forth for listeners who haven't heard this before. Um, it's a battle between Joel and Kim to see who can name more players who've won multiple Golden Swing titles. Kim, how confident are you feeling? 
Um, I'm just scouring my knowledge of like Spanish players Which is from it, like well, the that, noughties right Spanish now. Spanish players in the noughties is actually your mastermind subject, Kim. So <laughs> I think this might play into well, I don't your know hand. About that. Would you like to let Joel start okay. then, Kim? Take some pity on him. I don't mind. Yeah, happy for you to start, Joel. Okay. Well, in that case, I'm gonna go with. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. I'm gonna say. Mm, Juan Carlos Ferrero. That is a correct answer. He has won oh. two. He's won two titles, oh. and incidentally, he won them in the same year. So, a fantastic guess, but just two. That's the twelfth highest number. Okay. Um, should I say the obvious? I, I feel like surely he has uh, Rafa Nadal. Indeed, he's won six. Oh, oh, thank God. <laughs> I was, you know, I, I didn't want to say him because I was like, he's too good for the Golden You've got to start somewhere. Yeah, but in his early yeah. days. And he did win one, I think, a few years 2015. back. 2015. When he was Correct. coming back yeah. a bit. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go for David Ferrer. That is the top answer. The most titles wow. won in the Golden wow. Swing with seven. I'm going to go for Tommy Robredo. A fantastic answer. It's a correct three titles. Gustavo Curtin. That's another great answer with three titles. Um, oh, I'm a bit stressed now. Um, <laughs> Fernando Vadasco. Oh, that's a great shout. I'm afraid. I don't think it's right. That's though. an incorrect oh, no. answer. Oh, <laughs> no, oh, not Drasco. Drat. Um, okay, Joel. Uh, well, you still need to get one, I think, to win, don't you? Well, I think I I've think answered three. Oh, no, yes, there we go. Oh. I, do you know Kim, what? You didn't I even had... have that to fall back on. I had loads of other players. Come on, in give my me mind. some of the other ones. Almagro. Almagro was a fantastic yes. one. Oh, okay. Kim, I was going to go for another Fernando. Fernando Gonzalez. Yes, exactly. Fernando. Joel, why are you so good at the Golden Swing? <laughs> is, is this your. What about Nicholas Lepenti? I mean, there's no, another Nicholas on the list. <laughs> yeah, Nicholas Massey. Yes, indeed. Mm, is there anyone else? Yeah. What about um, uh, um, uh, Berrettini? Did he win when he was? It is not Berrettini, but I can fully win on the no. rest of the list now. There was another Spaniard. Albert Costa, Costa on there. Alcaraz. Alcaraz was on there indeed. There's oh. Carlos Moya. Oh, Carlos Moya. Pablo Serendolo. Serendolo has not, but there's Pablo Cervezas. Cervezas. I want to say that wrong. I'm definitely saying that wrong. Cuevas. Yes. Victor Estrella Borgos. Christian Garin. We haven't had him. Oh, yes. Dominic Team. Yeah. Gumera Correa. We have oh, Correa, Fabio Fognini. Uh, Fognini, sorry, I said that wrong. We have Gaston Gaudio, uh, Louis Horner, um, Juan Monaco, Diego Schwartzman, and oh, and the most recent addition, Casper <laughs> Rude. So that is the list of 21. Oh, so no. I would say, Kim, oh. you, you had names um, <laughs> and you, you really did uh, hand that one to Joel on a plate. 
I just a threw it plate away for on Joel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kim, you definitely could have put me under some pressure there because uh, beyond Gonzalez, I was, I was uh, stuck. I was stuck. Yes. Some of those names like Juan Monaco, like absolute blast from the past. There, I just did he yeah, play with a ponytail, ponytail or long, longish hair? Yeah, at long, some point. Long-ish. Don't at some point, ponytail. maybe Juan Monaco. Yeah. I think he had it. Yeah, I think he maybe had at one point a, a ponytail. Normally a bandana yeah. sort of vibe. Oh, he did have long hair. Mm. He did. He did. Yeah. Maybe I'm getting confused with Xavier Melise. I don't no, know. No, he did have long hair. He, but I, <laughs> I can't say he had a ponytail. That is Xavier Melise. Yes, but. Um, well done, Joel. Well done, Joel. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Oh, wow. My knowledge of the golden swing. My knowledge of the golden swing has got me a victory in Path of the Courts. Fantastic. I'm going to dig into the Tennis Weekly mailbag now and see who's got in touch. Uh, we have Andy on email who has asked us a question. Thanks very much, Andy. Uh, he said, Hi, Tennis Weekly. With Yannick Sinner breaking through to win his first ever Grand Slam singles title, who do you think is next in line to win their first major on the ATP tour? And also who would be the equivalent on the WTA tour? So thanks for your question, Andy. Um, Chris, I'm coming to you first. Who do you think are the two that are next to win on both the ATP and WTA sides? This is a really tricky question, isn't it? Because... A lot of players have picked up a slam, especially on the women's side. But I'll start with the men. Um, oh, it's tough. I, I'm i going to say, I, I think, is Casper going to get one? Uh, I'm looking, I'm racking Ooh, my brain. Not Runa. Oh, there's just something about it being the next one. And I think that it might be... Everyone is very equal at the moment. So I'm going for someone who has got to finals previously, who's come the closest. So that, that's my logic there. Uh, and the closest most recently and regularly. Um, and I, it would be the French coming up next. So that's, that's, that's what I'd say for that. And then I have to go Svitolina because I picked her for the French. Um, she's probably one of the best players that's never won a slam, that has played the game. Um, and I'd, I'd love to see it. So that's what I'm going for. Joel, do you want to go next? I, I don't think many people are going to like my answer, but I think it's Sasha Zverev. Um, I think he's been playing some very good tennis. And if he continues on on the path that he plays, I think he's going to gonna get his opportunities. If he's allowed to continue, very true. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go Zverev on the men's side and on the women's side. Go on, go row. Come on, Joel. Kalanina, come on. The answer, the, the, <laughs> the sort of, the, the answer I want to give um, is on Jabur because mm. I just think it'd be a nice feel-good mm. story and I hope maybe that happens at Wimbledon but oh, I don't know if I can see that at the moment and uh, yeah I may, maybe what maybe about Anoskova or, or Linda well, you could have a Linda well actually I'm going to say I'm going to say I'm going to say Jesse Pagula. I think, Do you really believe that Jesse Pagula is going to win a slam? I think look she's just sacked a coach I think she's going to have never a never new... made it past the quarterfinal She's 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 gonna have a new setup. I think new beliefs, um, and uh, I'm gonna back. Okay, Jessie Kim, Pagula. do you agree? Uh, it's tough though. Uh, it's tough. Yeah, it is tough. It's all. It is very difficult. I'm gonna say Sam Sonova. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Again, if will be the next Sam Sonova. <laughs> Mukova. That would be a good one. one. You could say Mukova. Oh yeah, to be Mukova. fair, Mukova. Yeah. I was thinking Andreeva, but Ugh. I don't know if that's she. She Ooh. would be the next one. 
Um, and then for the men, I was thinking Runa, but then I think I do like um, your thought process on Rude. I'm going to say Ben Shelton, though, because I feel prediction. like he could mm, interesting. just come before them. Yeah. You know? uh, we'll see. It's this difficult. Good question, Many Andy. Factors have to do we happen. think it's going to happen this year? Uh, no, to both of them. Not not this year. I don't think we'll have another first time this year. Not on the men's side. Ooh. I think we might have. No, I I I, ooh, I agree with Kim. I'm agreeing with Kim. Kim is very ooh. good at predicting. I don't know. I always think because it's an Am Olympic I? year, there is so much tennis and we always get some rogue, could be an opportunity to have some rogue Grand Slam winners right at the end of the year after a very, very long season. Mm. Well, we had some rogue results and action out in Oslo last weekend for the UTS, uh, as we mentioned earlier. Uh Rublev won. Andre Rublev won, though. He has become the first two-time UTS champion. He beat Alex de Menor in the uh, final. And sorry, I shouldn't say their real name, should I? It's it's Rublo. Uh, and what what was Alex de Menor's the name, demon. Chris? The Demon. The yeah. Demon, of course. So R- Rublo beat the Demon. But I suppose we won't go into kind of all the scores and things like that, but it was the off-court action that was actually what made the headlines. Um, it went a bit astray um so chris tell us what what went on monfils got kicked out uh two players withdrew with supposed food poisoning and we had a random danish kid kind of turn up and play is that well right? it was a, oh, norwegian a norwegian kid, sorry. yes exactly i am in i am in denmark but i was in norway so yes um <laughs> it was like what, was it it's chris not it's you, not yeah. me <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't do very well um and they didn't pay me so it wasn't the best in that sense um but no, so very, very rogue what went down. And I think um, kind of to unpack this, it was very dramatic because on court um, in the match between um, Monfils before the disqualification, um, the Le Monf and the, the demon, Alex de Minar, um, n- nothing untoward happened in that match at all. And then it was announced before the final match of the evening that he'd been disqualified. But I did have a little bit of a, an idea that he might be because I did see him leave the tournament. Um, he was smiling when he left, so I didn't think anything too bad had gone down. But just before he was supposed to do press, there were four medics that ran to the locker room and then the announcement came later in the evening. So we thought maybe there'd been an accident or something and that was confirmed by UTS. But I mean, when you hear disqualification, you never think you're going to hear the name Guillermo Fees attached to that. Um, and so I was very relieved when the statement did come out that it was very much the case that nothing um, untoward had happened that was um, deliberate. It was very much a playful um, incident occurred in the locker room and that this tournament supervisor um, had become injured from that and therefore the disqualification was given. There was no abuse, no violence, no malice or negativity. But I mean, a question for both of you, if there was no malice or negativity and there's no code of conduct at UTS, why was he disqualified? Yeah, it's very mysterious because I think when this statement came out, well, sorry, before the statement, but when it was just announced that he'd been disqualified, you know, we all thought, oh my God, something absolutely terrible and awful must have happened. Um, this is very unlike Monfils, like what what on earth's going on? Um, but it does sound like, yeah, it was just kind of a playful incident. A, a, yeah, a um, slip and a fall or, without know, malice. or something, something like exactly. that. But then why the disqualification, Joel? That's, that's my question. It's a weird one because it's a new event it doesn't feel like it, it obviously operates outside of of like the rules and the jurisdiction i guess of of the tour but it doesn't like it sounds like they're still not set up in terms of to deal with absolutely every you know incident and as a result it feels like it it 
becomes more of you know based on opinions and and someone says something and and someone just accepts it but it almost sounds like there there was no rule book but they still went by maybe the rules of like the ATP tour as maybe as as a guideline even though that necessarily wasn't in place yeah and I think I guess I mean it would have to be but I was kind of thinking what if in this sort of like playful interaction that Gail had with the tournament supervisor what if Gail had become injured you know, that's also, it's two kind of grown men who are sort of fooling around in the locker room is what implies this. So um, hopefully we'll see him at UTS again. It feels like it's likely that there will be. But the statement that came out did make it seem a, a lot worse saying that he was disqualified without kind of any explanation attached. But I mean, maybe they didn't have the results of the medical treatment that were given. Um, and in terms of the, na- the nature of that injury, um, not to kind of stipulate too much, but he, the supervisor was spotted with a bandage on his head. So I think that might answer the question in some ways. I mean, what was the, the vibe like in the arena with, with fans? Was it kind of confusion? Was it shock? There was some booing that happened when it was announced because he is very popular, like the world over. Um, but the atmosphere kind of backstage, it was very, very... We were told something really bad had happened and then we were ushered away because we were right by the locker room at the time. Um, so everyone was very, very relieved that, you know, the supervisor, um, Stefan, was back on, back out and, you know, working the event and that Lucas Puy did come and fill in. He was nicknamed the French Flair. So... That was all fine, and I'm pleased that's been kind of cleared up. But then you would not believe the script of what happened next because we then find out that Holger Runa has then withdrawn, and at the same time we find out the team has also been withdrawn with supposed food poisoning. Um, so they're down three players for UTS, which, I mean, they were due to play each other as well. So a junior from Norway is drafted in. They are playing, and then a full match is cancelled. But, I mean, again, there are some rumours here that if you have food poisoning um, and the next day you're on court in Rotterdam, it might seem like this might be slightly premeditated. So that was there was a few question marks there and also some question marks when we were talking uh, to Runa about his coaching setup. Obviously, the news of Boris broke as well. There was no comment, um, any of that. But we, we did ask and other um, people did ask about his mother's involvement. Uh, and the line was that she will she will still be his mother, so she'll still be um, following him on the tour, but she, she will no longer be handling press. So she might have been sacked, Anna Karuna. So that's that's also is- exclusive. So mm, is that good or bad? Drama. Is that good or bad? The Sitsipasses have arguably... Well, it sounds like everything happened in UTS. Also. I mean, I haven't talked to any of the tennis, but I mean, from the family setups that you've seen in tennis, like the Sitsipasses, for example, and the Zverevs, is it better to not kind of have your family manage you in this sense? Um, what what would you say to this decision by Holger? Is this the move to IMG and the change of coaching? Is he now taking control of what he's doing rather than it being decided by somebody else, do we think? I do think there reaches a certain point where you do need to kind of draw away if you feel like you need that freedom to go your own path. And I think it can be difficult when you've got a parental figure who is your actual parent there kind of pulling the strings. So I think, you know, you can always go back you know but he's got to try it hasn't he if he feels that's the right thing yeah and to to pave your own way in many ways um I was going to make the comparison Mm. uh before it was a no comment situation with Emma Raducanu changing coaches so much are you the Emma Raducanu of the ATP tour almost but uh I was going to say well you're looking for consistency in the statements that you've said whereas she was looking for a different 
um, a different kind of perspectives to add to her game. So it is very different because it looks like he does want someone who could be with him and travel with him. But then why hire Boris Becker in the first place, who you know can't travel to certain countries because of a criminal record? So, I mean, it's probably a good decision in the long run. But right now it does feel like the Runa camp is in turmoil because it's just Kenneth Carlson that's left. Yeah, and that's reflected, I think, in some of the results that we well, haven't seen from him of late. So I think, you know, maybe some changes were needed. Um, but Chris, you did chat to Andre Rublev, Rublev yes, indeed. The, the winner, Rublev, and you did actually ask him about all of the shenanigans in uh, UTS. So let's have a little listen to that now. Recently, there was the video that came out about the script writers for the ATP writing the script on the tour of what happened. Yeah. So when you spread the script for UTS Oslo, we've had disqualifications, we've had people pulling out, we've had all sorts going on. Casper didn't win the title. Um, what's your reaction to the script when you read it? It's like you... Yeah, I wouldn't believe that two players will get poison and one player will get disqualified. Of course, you will not believe it. Uh, but in the end, how the life always proves everything is... Uh, is possible and even those things are still possible that yeah some players get poisoned something else happens some different situation and in the end yeah it is what it is i mean when he puts it like that disqualified poisoned poisoned i mean it sounds more like a, a murder mystery or a cluedo game than um, a tennis tournament but i mean is this the most dramatic exhibition bar maybe djokovic's um ill-fated covid um, open that he had that's ever happened oh that's a i forgot i had forgotten about that one the yes, adria tour yeah oh, that was it. what it was called the yeah. adria tour very good kim couldn't couldn't Love name that. anyone who won a golden swing tournament but but does know that <laughs> i could name like a serbian tennis exhibition yeah, exactly. nightclub during yeah. covid yeah <laughs> um but yeah i mean it is yeah it's almost like a a game a of, of a Pluto, farce, isn't it? Uh, murder mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Who done it? Fren- Who done it? A French farce. Maybe Puy orchestrated it all. French flair. He should have been called the French farce. He thought, I want to play. Let's get rid of some players. Gail Monfils with the candlestick in the locker room. <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> that's allegedly is what we'll say. Um, allegedly. Sorry, I should say allegedly. Happened, no no yeah. malice, absolutely. Yeah. But on slightly less dramatic things, um, before the tournament, uh, we did get to speak to Alex de Menard, who was an absolute delight. Um, and we asked him about kind of the biggest win of his career that he's just had, um, seeking Rublev revenge, which, spoiler alert, he, he didn't get. Um, and we also talk about his girlfriend, British number one, Katie Balter. And we start with just how cold it was at minus 21 degrees. Not the Australian summer anymore. No, exactly. It's yeah. definitely cold. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Do you have any winter layers for this? Has Casper lent your coat? I've, I've brought a lot of clothes, a lot of layers. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was just telling before, we were on our way to, to find a local coffee shop, 15 minutes away walk. We mm. thought it would be a great idea. Um, five minutes in, we realized it was way too cold no. and we went into the yeah. first coffee shop that we saw. So the cold's not Stay big. inside, right? Yeah. It's good. It's an indoor tournament. Yeah. Um, you got the biggest win of your career at the start of the year in Australia against Novak Djokovic. Um, that's got to feel amazing. A few words on that and why it's so great to then kind of play against some of these top players here this week. Oh, it's a milestone moment. Mm. I mean, uh, probably the, the biggest win of my career mm. in terms of a lot of different aspects, right? Last time I played him, he absolutely thrashed me. He gave mm. me a lesson on on Rod Laver Arena, basically embarrassed me on, on the court. <laughs> so it was uh, a tough one to pick myself back up from. And, you know, 
uh, get my revenge in a way. But yeah, it meant a lot. It gave me a huge mm. confidence boost uh, to really let me know that I'm I'm right there mm-hmm. and I can, you know, I belong in in that top ten. Mm-hmm. And, and now the the field here, it's uh, a lot of good players, yeah. a lot of exciting Rublev players. Rublev again. I'm hoping I can get my revenge. Uh, you know, I still haven't been able to sleep since mm-hmm. uh, he got me at the Open. So that's a tough uh, one. It's tough because I like him so much. He's yeah, such too a likeable. good guy. Yeah, mm. but I really don't. So yeah, well, mm. hope you get your revenge. Final question: We're going to ask. So your girlfriend Katie Balte is obviously the British number one. Yeah. Um, you're called the Demon here. I was wondering yep. if you had to give her a nickname for UTS if she were to play, what would it be? I was thinking something like the Leicester Hammer or oh, something like that. Yeah. But... Well, you could play on that. Um... Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to call her the princess. Okay. Yeah, just okay. because she doesn't like to get called that because uh, okay. we, we kind of use that when she doesn't The demon like... and the princess. Yeah, Sounds well, like a storybook for kids. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. What do you think of the nickname for Katie Balter? I said the Lester Hammer, um, which I'm not sure is a compliment. The Lester he Hammer? He said the princess. Yeah, it's not the most... Feminine, is it? The Leicester Hammer, no. Chris. Is it Bertini is the hammer, isn't he? He, he is, isn't yeah. His... So maybe it wasn't most original either. But what, what nickname would you give? Lo- Lioness. Oh, I like that. Leicester Lioness. That's very nice. I mean, that's a bit football-y, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. But, but then she does like Leicester Town. It's got alliteration. Joel, can you build yeah. on that? Ah, oh, that's tough. Um, the, what's the, a female version of the demon? Oh, it's tough. Um, the Deemstress? No, <laughs> that's not a thing. <laughs> I don't know. It's so hard when you get put on the spot to be like, come up with a nickname for a for Maybe a, for I shouldn't keep giving them that question at UTS. <laughs> I should take some pity <laughs> on them. I, even I'm struggling, but... Uh, it's a classic though, isn't it? It's a classic. It is. I'd say like but, the, um, the power, power, the power from Leicester. We'll go for the power from Leicester. So Jack Leicester Draper, power. Jack, Jack Draper's nickname plus <laughs> Leicester. <laughs> I hope, yeah. I hope Joel's not going to be writing poems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I hope not. I'm the kid. Yeah, the title of his not, first his first album, The Power of Leicester. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, that brings us on to what's happening this week. Uh, we've got the WTA 1000 event in Doha. We've got f- the 500 ATP in Rotterdam, which uh, Yannick Sinner is playing, his first event after winning the Australian Open. Uh, Delray Beach is back in the States, that's 250, and we've got the Argentina Open, another 250, continuing the golden swing where Alcaraz is in action. Um, let's have a look at Rotterdam to begin with. Yannick Sinner top seed, and we've got Rublo and the Demon in action as well as their actual real uh people and names though this time um any thoughts on the draw in rotterdam from either of you oh, it's, it's nice to see denis shapovalov come through qualifying i think and and be in the main draw against monfils so uh i'll be interested to see how how he goes and um yeah for sinner it's you know hoping he can just sort of pick up business where he left off in in melbourne you know he's had a few weeks off relaxed coming back refreshed and um yeah hoping for a good tournament from him as well i'd love to see bublik sinner if that is a quarterfinal, I think that would be very Ooh. entertaining. I think that Bublik would really bring his A game. He was in uh, Oslo also. Um, actually, I wish they'd given us a lift to the airport because they actually flew out pretty much at the same time as us, but we got the bus. Um, but I would also like to see a little bit of maybe Corda Diminar. That would be very interesting to see. Um, and Prismic is actually back playing with a wild card here. So clearly that performance against Novak Djokovic in Australia is paying dividends for him. 
Yeah, people have taken note. Well, yeah, let's see how he gets on. He was fantastic against Djokovic in uh, Melbourne, so we'll see. Uh, And then out in Doha for the WTA 1000, we have Svjontek as the top seed, Goff as the second seed, uh, Rabakin as their Jabor, Ostapenko, etc. Um, already some results from today. Osaka beating Garcia. They've they've met yet again this year already. Um, Radicano's already lost, as we mentioned earlier. Svjontek was on court a minute ago, but I think she has won. Um, so yeah, Joel, uh, any predictions? Who's coming through this week in Doha? Coco Goff. Coco Goff? Chris? You going with that? I'm or not, I think I probably Spiontek. would go Spiontek. She plays well out here and she's pretty fresh, I'd say. Yeah, she's annihilated uh, Kaseya today. So if her first match is anything to go by, that, that does bode well for, for Spiontek fans. Um, let's look also at Delray Beach. Taylor Fritz is the top seed. Francis TFO, Tommy Paul in action. Whole host of Americans, as always, in this, this event. This might as well uh, just be Dallas Open 2.0. Yeah, I mean, Dan Evans and um, Liam Brody are also in the draw. I think Dan Evans has had some good times at this event in previous years. So I'd be looking to see what he can do. Yeah, it's got a tough open, I think, against uh, Jordan Thompson. That is mm. not 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 the easiest, you know, not the easiest start. But um, yeah, it'll be a good good test for him. And, you know, for Tommy Paul, I don't I don't see any reason why he can't kind of continue and maybe mm. maybe even make it two titles in in two weeks because you know, he's been playing great tennis it's the same sort of event same sort of caliber i think of players mm. and um yeah who knows he might come out the on top delray dallas yeah. double Ooh. exactly it's what everyone That's wants great to win. alliteration absolutely and then the cordoba uh open was last week we now have the buenos Aires open this week carlos alcaraz is there and cam nori um I presume this was the one last year that Norrie got the better of Alcaraz at. Am I right? In I think that Alcaraz won I his first title back and then he lost in the final in Rio. Oh, in so the, the next five, one. A lot of points okay, for Norrie to defend here. But yes, it was. A, they did exchange finals and results uh, in the Golden Swing last year. Well, we do have uh, Tennis Weekly uh is in South America, which is very exciting. Our producer, Alina, is at the Argentina Open and Chris caught up with her uh, just recently. So let's have a listen. And I believe now we have Alina, producer Alina from Buenos Aires. If I'm saying that right, I'm saying Buenos Noches to you as well, am I? It's Buenos Aires and it's actually Buenos Dias here in Buenos Aires. Is morning and I suppose it's, uh, it's evening right where you are there. It is evening here, so I didn't get anything exactly right, and I could have easily looked that up, so that is on me. But you're on site at the IEB Argentina Open. Tennis Weekly is covering the Golden Swing. You're there for the qualies. What have you seen so far, and what's the atmosphere like? Yes, you're right, Chris. Well, we're going to be here the entire week, and you're going to have so much more time to practice your Spanish and your buenos in the meantime. Si, si. (laughs) We've been uh, at the qualies, and what a show that was. The qualies this year was free, so the public was invited to attend free of charge. So the, the crowds were really great and super excited to see some really good tennis. They're such great cheerers, especially with all the Argentinians under the qualifying draws. 
and there was some uh, some interesting battles going on like uh, Navone and uh, Mute had a really really interesting duel oh it's always spicy when Mute is on the tennis court you sent some pictures of he was drinking Pepsi and only serving underarms so it's already got going and it's just the qualies yes and he got quite chatty with the crowds let's just uh, put it that way is that something that um, Cam Norrie will have to do, get chatty with the crowds in order to be fired up in Buenos Aires and have a deep run down there? Let's just hope he's not going to meet one of the favourites of the Argentinian crowd. I think that will be that will be good for him. If you can survive playing against Alcaraz in two finals in the Golden Swing, I'm pretty sure he can survive anything. But you mentioned the Argentinians. You, you are partial to an Argentinian. I was going to say, who's your pick of the Argentinians to make a deep run this year? Yeah, you got me there. I have quite a sweet spot for the Argentinian players, especially uh, Franz Rondolo. He's one of the favorites, and I really do hope he's going to make it quite far in the in the tournament. Um, yes, Tomas uh, Martin Echeverri, he's, he's also quite uh, high up on the list. So let's see, uh, let's see how far they make it. I'm going to be there impartially cheering, of course. And will you be cheering on um, Arthur Fis as well, who's playing against Leovic, who actually you attended a, a DJ set by Dusan Leovic at 4pm, an official DJ set. And that was before the tournament even got started. So the golden swing really does hit different. Imagine a day party with Dusan Leovic playing for you. Like that is and some a tennis. difference. <laughs> and some tennis happening on the side. So you have like the crowds cheering from the Guillermo Villas central court. And then on the other side, you have Dusan Leovic playing at the decks for you and having like a great time. Make it make sense, but also, can it get better than that? And you'll be covering all the crazy events that might happen in Argentina over the next week. You'll be speaking to some players, hopefully. We'll try and get some um, some time with Carlos Alcaraz and Cam Norrie. And right now, who are you headed to see? Well, it's pouring now in Buenos Aires. So we are looking at some possible rain delays, but hopefully, yes, we're going to see a quite quite a fiery uh, Chilich uh, match against Lasso Jarrett. And also for the for the evening session, we have Stan Wawrinka playing. So that's that's quite exciting. Yeah, and we'll see who's DJing throughout the week, or if it is just Leovic getting more action on the DJ decks than on the court. But thanks, Lena, and enjoy your time in Argentina. Thank you, Chris. I am really sad I was not there for a Dusan Leovic DJ set. I mean, that sounds very interesting. It sounds like something I want to be at. It sounds like something you should be at. I mean, why didn't they ask you for, you know, a Joel Tennis Weekly DJ set? We needed to get... We we should have celebrated Tennis Weekly episode 400 proper and got a Dusan Leovic DJ set. I wonder what his rate card is. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, probably too expensive for us and probably not a good use of crowdfunder (laughs) money. He'll be cheaper than Taylor Swift, yes, it would so be. Uh, I think. Levitch, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, they have a lot of extra tricks up their sleeves, don't they? I had no idea he uh, could DJ, but there we go. Uh, I'm interested to see what Darderi will do. Actually, he's in the draw in uh, this one again, so we'll see how he goes. But um, that's it for us for this week. Uh, we'll be back as always next week to catch up on the latest batch of, of tournaments. Um, so I can't wait to uh, to speak to you guys next week and catch up as usual. I can't wait to see how Alina gets on and enjoys uh, Argentina. Very, very, very jealous, jealous of the weather. Of She's in 31 degrees when I was in minus 21. That's, that's like a 50-something degree <laughs> difference. It seems hugely improbable. 
Yeah, it's going to be very, very exciting indeed. Listeners, we do have one quick ask from you. We are launching our Tennis Weekly survey just to uh, see see how the pod is doing. So if you want to help us improve the show, the link is in the description. It literally takes about three minutes, but it would really, really help us just to understand what our listeners are thinking about the show. So if you could do that, link is in the description. Thank you very much. But we're going to end it there. I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode of the Tennis Weekly podcast. Remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action to come from the ATP and WTA tours. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there. And if you like what you're hearing, then do make sure to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow us on social media if you want to see all of the action from Argentina this week, but also all the UTS clips from the interviews that we've done. So we have clips from Team, Rublev, Bublik and many others that are now on our social channels. And we're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and X. And the handle for all of those is Tennis Weekly Pod. You can also purchase Tennis Weekly merch at etsy.com slash shop slash Tennis Weekly Podcast. You can email us, tennisweeklypod at gmail.com, or do check out our website, tennisweekly.co.uk. And we will be back next Monday at Tennis Weekly HQ. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon.